So many of us know someone or care for someone who has served in the military and has suffered a traumatic brain injury. Or maybe you're a vet struggling with the ravages of TBI. Here, perhaps, is some hope. The U.S. Departments of Defense and Veterans Affairs has just given Virginia Commonwealth University a $50 million grant to oversee a national research consortium. The group will study the long-term impacts of mild traumatic brain injuries on service members and veterans. This research project is called Limbic, the Long-Term Impact of Military Relevant Brain Injury Consortium. I'm Aileen Ellis. This is Healthy with VCU Health. This is not the first grant VCU has received to study TBI. Here to tell us more is Dr. David Seafew, the principal investigator on both of VCU's national studies. Dr. Seafew, let's start with what VCU has already learned from a $62 million grant called SENSI. SENSI stands for the Chronic Effects of Neurotrauma Consortium. In uh, 2013, we began evaluating this exact concept, which is to look at what were the both short and the long-term or chronic effects of what are called combat-associated concussions, which means a mild traumatic brain injury, or what we commonly call a concussion, that occurred in a military setting, so in this case in Iraq and Afghanistan, Um, and then looking at the effects of one, two, three, or many, many more of these concussions, how they impact the soldiers and veterans in the short term, and let's say in the first three months, a year, to how they impact long term, let's say five years, 20 years, or even longer. So, so the, the concept is we're trying to look at you know, what, what, how, do, how do folks recover after these events? Uh, if there is recovery, are there long-term problems that are perhaps not seen at first? Or if they don't get all well, if they continue to have some difficulties, what does their course look like over time? And so, so that was the overall setting that we were looking at. And what have you found out so far from the Sensi study? So far to date, we've recruited 1,700 individuals who are in Af- Afghanistan and Iraq and, and su- in sustained injuries, as well as just were in that combat setting, because that's an important distinction from civilians or from athletes, which we can talk about as well. So we follow 1,700 folks, and you know, uh, some of them had their injuries as many as 20 years ago at the beginning of the war. Others have had it more recently. On average, they're about nine years from their last injury. Most folks had more than one injury, more than one concussion. Uh, they also had issues with some have PTSD, some have chronic pain, depression, et cetera. So we're seeing a complex group of individuals. So these are not just you know, a high-level athlete who had one bump to the head and then is returned to the field. These are folks that have you know, been in a dangerous situation over a long period of time, have had often multiple concussions. And what we've seen is that, number one, the vast majority of people do extremely well. More than two-thirds of our 1,700 folks are high-performing you know, nine years post-injury. They're working, they have families, they're, they're going about their lives, they're, they're active, they have hobbies, those kind of things. They may have some residual difficulties, the most common being things like headaches, uh, so, um, as well as some high-level thinking problems. Now, perhaps their, their attention isn't as direct as it was before, but they're fully functional, hopefully as anybody who's listening to this podcast. Unfortunately, a little less than a third of folks are having significant enough symptoms that they really can't fully function. They may be employed, they may be married, they may have lives outside of of their injuries, but they feel so 
weighed down by their symptoms that they really aren't at a level of performance as they were before they went to war. So, so there's a third of folks that are really um, have, a, have a high dose of difficulties. And fortunately, we're finding that those individuals are accessing healthcare in a good way, pre- predominantly in the VA, but also outside the VA. They are following up with their physicians and their other healthcare workers fairly closely. They aren't being over-treated or over-medicated, let's say for their back pain or their headaches. We find a, no higher opioid use than, than folks that weren't in the war. Uh, we are finding that they are linked in with appropriate mental health professionals to take care of their post-traumatic stress disorder or depression. Uh, we do find that they, they have primary care physicians that are helping them to deal with their day-to-day symptoms. Um, and, and, you know, so overall we're seeing that th- these are folks that, that, that you know, are, have paid a significant price to preserve our freedom, are having difficulties, but are being managed. We're not seeing any uh, evidence of dementia in these folks, again, up to 19 or 20 years out on average nine. We have seen no suicides in our, in our group of more than 1,700. Let's knock on wood together. We've seen no issues with that. But again, we are seeing a lot of difficulties, but they're being managed. And I think that's the, the most important and um, uplifting thing is that this is not a death sentence. This is not a sentence of, of guaranteed dementia, what we may see in on, 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 uh, in, on television, in movies, or, or on, in books. What we're actually just seeing folks that have difficulties but are in the right care setting. Now, is it correct, though, to say that the third that you're talking about does have traumatic brain injury as opposed to concussion? Well, actually, a concussion, which is sort of a lay term, is, is the exact same thing as a mild traumatic brain injury. Traumatic brain injuries can be of three types. Mild, which means you, you may have had an alteration of, of consciousness, meaning you were confused, dazed, or even a brief loss of consciousness for up to 30 minutes. But once that period of time is over, you pretty much get back to knowing what's going on, figuring things out, and being able to, to function, typically within minutes, if not hours after the injury. But you may have some residual difficulties, as I'm talking about. That's the most common type of injury that everybody gets in the world. Again, a concussion or mild brain injury. It's also the most common injury seen in war. Over 90% of all brain injuries are of this mild type or concussion. The other two types are called moderate or severe, and they're, they're the ones where you typically are hospitalized, may need surgery, close monitoring, weak sometimes of care, whereas a concussion is the same thing as a mild traumatic brain injury. So now with this new grant that springs off the Sensi grant, tell me what you're looking at involving the links between TBI and dementia. We've transitioned or pivoted from this initial grant, the Sensi grant, which brought together 30 universities, 15 VAs, 12 military treatment facilities, who all were, were working together under VCU's lead to, to kind of bring together this group of, of individuals with concussion um, and other injuries following uh, war. So now we're pivoting to a more focused uh, um, project, whereas in the first study, we, we actually had 11 different studies going on. Now for this second one, we have two major studies going on. The first study is going gonna, is gonna to look at between three and 5,000 service members and veterans 
80% of whom have had at least one or more concussion, and we're going to continue following them on and on for life. So we've already talked about we've already recruited 1,700 of these folks. Uh, we're now going to add to that between 1,500 and 3,000 additional ones to really get a good, good number of, of, uh, of veterans and service members so we can generalize what we find to a much larger population. I did mention that only 80% had brain injury. We have what's called a control group of 20%, so one out of five were in military theater, were, were exposed to combat, but didn't have concussions. That way we can see, is it just being a service member in a combat setting that causes difficulties, or is it the added burden of a traumatic brain injury as well? So these are folks that we're going to be following for long term, and we are going to look to see if we do see evidence of decline in function, specifically things like Parkinson's disease, um, as well as dementia, as you, as you mentioned. The other major study, which is a continuation from earlier as well, is that we've put together a group of 2 million veterans and service members who have all been taken care of in either the military or the VA health system. We have all of their medical records, all of their administrative records, all of their military records, all together in one massive database or big data collection. And we're using that big data of over 2 million unique veterans and service members to look at trends, to look at things like do they have a higher incidence of dementia? Do they have a higher incidence of suicide risk, of opioid use, of Parkinson's, of depression? And we have early um, analysis of the information, which has demonstrated that, in fact, yes, when you look at massive groups of individuals, there is a trend towards higher rates of suicide risk, opioid use, chronic pain, Parkinson's disease, depression, PTSD, and dementia. So, but it takes that many individuals in a research study to look for it. So now we're going to try to apply what we found in this massive database to this smaller but still large prospective or ongoing study of, of a little over three to 5,000 individuals. And in the next five years, our goal is to see, are we starting to see this specific population who we're, we're getting back to, 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 the, uh, to the lab at least every five years and phone calling them at least every year to see how are you functioning? Are you still working? Are you still living alone with family, et cetera? So, so now we're going to be able to see in the real world, forget about databases and electronic records, but in the real world and human beings, are we starting to see these problems? Obviously, we hope not. And what one of the things that we're going to be adding over the next five years are what are called clinical trials. So we're going to be using unique interventions on this three to 5,000 to try to not only treat their active symptoms, but prevent the future ones. So those are the two major areas, this large group, three to 5,000 veterans and service members, all um, with combat exposure and about 80% with brain injury of the mild type called concussion, and then this massive database of 2 million folks that we have all their medical, health care, administrative, and military records to try to track them electronically. Tell me a little bit more. I'm intrigued by the part you said that isn't just the data, but is also the part about preventing or trying to prevent symptoms from progressing. Can you talk about that a little bit, particularly the medical side of it? Often we academicians, um, you know, kind of get fixated with we want to study things and we want to, you know, report things and write papers and, and all that. And, and that's important to, to, to move knowledge ahead. Um, but, but what's 
more important to veterans and service members and their family and everybody listening on this podcast are, well, what if I have a concussion or multiple concussions? What if I have concussions plus headaches, concussions plus stress or PTSD? What's going to happen to me and what can we do to prevent that or reduce the risk? And so we've already started um, work on five separate intervention trials, which are specific research studies where we're going to be actively doing something to this high-risk group of three to 5,000 folks to try to diminish their active symptoms now, let's say headaches, which is one trial we're looking at, or a PTSD, which is another trial we're looking at, using innovative techniques that people are not currently using, but which are showing evidence of early um, um, efficacy or, or, or it's working in smaller studies of people or in some animal models that folks have published and are pushing forward. So we're going to take the theoretical and what we're seeing just in the very beginning of what are called pilot studies, we're going to apply that to a large group of hundreds, if not thousands of individuals, all with these difficulties to really see, is it actually going to work? Is it going to help the average Joe on the street or a service member or a veteran to relieve their dementia risk, to take care of their headache pain, to help them to sleep better? So these are things that we're going to be applying in the next five years and so that we'll actually have takeaways, things that the average person can use. Hopefully what we'll find is that you know, the risk isn't as high as people have always feared to begin with, but even if it is, here's a way to make it a little bit less. Here's a way to ameliorate your headaches, make you feel better. Here's a way to help you sleep or, again, at the very least, reduce some of the risk for dementia, Parkinson's, and things of that sort. So we're very excited about that phase as well because even we academicians don't just want to write papers and give lectures. We actually want to have our uh, people that we're working with in their clinics and that we're providing care for or supporting, we want them to get well and to have a better feeling that they're going to have a good long-term outcome. Is it too late for a veteran to get involved in the study? No, I, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, the studies are active and ongoing, both this longitudinal or large gathering of, of three to 5,000, but also these intervention trials are just starting to be formulated and rolled out and, and initiated. So, so absolutely not. And uh, you know, there'll be information linked with this podcast on how to how to get into the study, but you can also go to www.sensystudy.org to go to our website where there's some of this information I've been talking about in our knowledge translation area where you can, you know, you can um, hear about at a very uh, basic and, and understandable way the things I've been talking about. Um, but also there's going to talk about what are the study what are the study sites we have 16 collection sites with 11 evaluation sites across the country um, and you can learn about how to sign up and be part of the the sensi uh, slash limbic program and sensi is spelled c-e-n-c yes it's c-e-n-c study.org so put the www before that www.sensystudy.org and finally this can also relate to other uh, general public problems like sports related concussions the, some of the findings will help kids and other people who have sports related uh, football players and things like that so here at VCU and in our department of PMR we've been providing 
brain injury rehabilitation care for all types of folks for more than more than 40 years and we've been doing research in this space you know and it, you know so most recently we're turning now towards war combatants and veterans but we also have similar programs and clinical care programs for civilians who have car accidents or fall off a ladder or sports whether it's a juvenile sport you know in, in elementary school high school high school or whether it's college or professional and we anticipate that the things that we're finding are going to apply directly to all civilians. You know, certainly being in war and having as many as 10 or 20 concussions in a, you know, within a year period is going to be significantly worse than most athletes or civilians. But certainly we see that in athletes, but also we're all seeing civilians with just one or two. So it's very comparable. And we anticipate anything we find is going to rapidly apply to everybody. And that's, you know, this just gives us the unique advantage of a collection of folks that are well characterized that we can easily continue to follow over time, but, it, but it's going to be applicable, uh, applicable to, to just about anybody with a concussion or anybody that's, having, that's suffering from some of the longer-term difficulties after a brain injury of any type. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to add? The only final thing is I just want to um, make sure I'm acknowledging both all of the folks that I'm working with across the country who are the most amazing research team, but also, most importantly, to America's service members and veterans who are there every day on the front lines in a range of ways, preserving our freedom and at times giving their final measure um, despite the risk. They're doing it willingly and voluntarily. So I just want to thank them for being part of our terrific research. Thank you very much for talking to us. Dr. David Seafew is the chair of the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation in the VCU School of Medicine and the senior TBI specialist for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. I'm Aileen Ellis. To listen to other podcasts from VCU Health, visit vcuhealth.org slash podcast.